I know you did not watch The Haunting of Hill House, but I, so I really enjoyed season one, right? I really like it and I don't like horror, but Alex really likes horror, but so the, the new season is dropping on Friday and I, I want to watch it, right? Like I, I actively want to watch it, but Alex will not watch it because she decided that it's too soon after we've moved into our new place. We're not settled yet. She cannot watch it because it'll be too scary. Oh, because of her fear of ghosts? No, not her fear of ghosts. Like, I don't think this place is haunted, but... How do you know? She, I mean, I'm pretty sure. She But what about that little door? Yeah, no, there's definitely a gremlin in there. Luckily, it's not in the apartment, but... Well, she gets up in the middle of the night to pee a lot. And I think, you know, you see things in corners. And I think she basically was like, right now, she's good. She doesn't have any, like, scary mental images. But she's worried that if she watches it, she will. And then she was like, I would have to force you to get up in the middle of the night to come stand there while I pee. Yes, that does seem burdensome. Yeah, so she says like in a few months, perhaps we could watch the show. I really want to watch it. But I'm going to have scary images haunting me no matter what. While we were watching Hell House, we had to sleep with the lights on because I could not. Oh, I will not be partaking. No, I don't. It's not for you. And this season is supposed to be scarier. And she's like, you can watch it. You can watch it by yourself if you want. I don't want to watch it by myself. (laughs) Interestingly, we've been watching Lovecraft Country, but sometimes that show is more weird than scary. Oh, we watched the pilot and really liked it. And then we just haven't watched more. I really want to keep watching it. But there was like more body like horror gore stuff in the first episode than I was expecting. Yes, it's more like gross than ghosts. A good tagline. <sighs> Perhaps. Um, but it's kind of hit or miss, like, well, because it's like, it's kind of anthology style. So some episodes are like, I'm very interested. I would watch this entire show. And then some episodes are a little bit like, okay. Um, so just so, to prepare you for when you view it. Okay. I'm surprised to hear that you got into it but now that i know it's more quote gross than ghosts um i understand although it's interesting because i'm not specifically afraid of but i think that shows that are intended to frighten you why why would i want that in my life exactly the world's scary enough well let's talk about something that's not at all scary and very enjoyable or maybe scary if you really think about it Um, (laughs) oh well welcome to romcomathon i'm alex and i'm kat and this week we are talking about 13 going on 30. Yeah. One of our faves. What a relief to watch something we liked after Love Guaranteed. Yeah, that's true. Oof, I had kind of like forgotten about that film. Matt couldn't remember the name. He was like, Love in the Courts. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he could have kept going. He listed a few other things. I just forget what they were. Um, while I was, like, breaking out or packing up the DVD of 13 Going on 30, it's not streaming anywhere. No, I watched it off of Chelsea's Voodoo, and because at first I was like, ugh, I'm gonna have to rent it, and then, and then I was like, well, it stars Jennifer Garner, so Chelsea probably owns it. <laughs> Does Chelsea listen to the podcast? Not really, I don't think. Oh, she'll never know she got this shout out. I know. Thanks for her Jennifer Garner, her her obsession with certain actresses, so I could be like, yeah, she'll own this one. It's a good face. She gives a lovely performance in this movie. Should I summarize the plot before we get too much into what I mean by that? Sure. So the movie starts with baby Jennifer Garner, who, as you might guess from the title, is 13 years old. And she is living that typical middle school life where you're not as cool as you wish you were. 
In the 80s, by the way. This whole thing is very 80s. Oh, yes. There's so much delightful music and clothing in both eras in this movie. So baby Jennifer Garner wishes she were one of the cool kids and best friends with baby Judy Greer, who really looks like Judy Greer, by the way. Yeah, like it's remarkable. Um, But unfortunately, her actual best friend is baby Mark Ruffalo, who is very sweet, but does not look like Mark Ruffalo. Um, when I was watching this this time, I was like, man, if only Noah Centineo hadn't been like seven at the time, he would have been perfect for this role. He would have been so good. But maybe too hot. That's true. Anyway, for baby Jennifer Garner's 13th birthday, she wants boobs and to be cool and to get kissed by a cool boy. But instead, all she gets is a beautiful dollhouse handmade by baby Mark Ruffalo, who is obviously so into her and spent weeks making this. Um, but she invites all these cool girls who don't actually like her to her party and they play a trick on her and ditch her, like leaving her in a closet. (laughs) And then when baby Mark Ruffalo finds her there, she's really mad at him and thinks that he has messed up her birthday party by being uncool and scaring the kids off or something like that. And goes back in the closet and makes like an angry wish to be 30. Yeah, because she had previously like her favorite like style in magazine poise. like cosmo basically yeah like basically has an article that says like 30 flirty and thriving yes which is very catchy but a little odd anyway because baby mark ruffalo apparently like went to some witch's shop and got her like actual magic dust to sprinkle on the homemade barbie dream house this works <laughs> So Jennifer Garner wakes up and discovers that she's now beautiful, rich, an editor at Poise, dating a New York Ranger, and best friends with Judy Greer, whose personality has not improved. She eventually tracks down Mark Ruffalo in the village, and he catches her up on everything she's missed. So basically, like, they stop being friends, she got popular, they don't really know each other at all anymore... Um, And then she discovers while going through her life, like, she doesn't talk to her parents, she sleeps with other people's husbands, and is generally a trash human. (laughs) Meanwhile, the magazine is in trouble from a competitor, Sparkle. And Jennifer Garner realizes that, you know, with her new whimsical personality, she has to save it with a redesign. Um, As she is doing this, she alienates all her previous mean friends, but develops relationships with, like, her secretary and children in her building and... Mark Ruffalo. Yeah, like, reconnects with Mark Ruffalo, reconnects with her parents, like... And they do, like, a photo shoot to make the magazine more wholesome, which I feel like would not work in real life, but I guess we're living in a fairy dust world. (laughs) Truly, I was like, what teenager wants to see more pictures of cheerleaders? (laughs) Maybe it's an adult magazine for nostalgic people? I don't know. Yeah, when she was like, people don't want to see this, they want to see, like, their best friend's sister, like, blah, 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 and I was like, do they? Don't they see enough of her? Anyway, so she and Mark Ruffalo, who is now a photographer, are just like hanging out, walking along at night, playing on swing sets, and eventually, obviously, they kiss. Which would be delightful, except that Mark Ruffalo is engaged. Yeah, so like, I don't know, like pot (laughs) kettle, like, okay, she's sleeping with other people's husbands, but he has a fiance too. He is engaged to a seemingly nice, harmless woman who conveniently lives in Chicago. And so she's not around while Mark Ruffalo is doing all this gallivanting, but we'll get back to that. Anyway, Judy Greer, who has come up with like a competing redesign, is really mad to have lost this competition or whatever. 
And she steals Jennifer Garner's designs by getting Mark Ruffalo to like sign a thing and takes them to the other magazine and gets a job there, which as it turns out is what previous Jennifer Garner was going to do before her personality change. Also, Judy Greer suggests to Mark Ruffalo that Jennifer Garner is still with uh, the New York Ranger. (laughs) Anyway, Jennifer Garner, her shiny new life in tatters, rushes to New Jersey to stop Mark Ruffalo's wedding, which is at his parents' house next door to her parents' house. Thankfully, he does not let her stop his wedding. He does give her back the dollhouse, which apparently has just been living in his closet at his parents' house for 17 years. And then Jennifer Garner, consumed with regret, wishes her way back to being 13. Pops out of the closet, makes different choices, and kisses baby Mark Ruffalo instead of being a jerk to him. Flash forward, alternate reality, they're getting married. They move into a real-life pink house. And sit on a couch on their front lawn, which I never realized was weird until Matt pointed it out. I mean, they're moving, though. Although, where are their movers? Did their movers just, like, move the couch to the front lawn and just leave it there? I don't know. I was just like, oh, yeah, whatever. They took the couch up. But the couch isn't wrapped. I think he was like, did they unwrap their front couch on their lawn so that they could sit enjoying Razzles? No, I thought it was wrapped. I thought it was wrapped in plastic. Was it? Maybe I'm wrong. Anyway. Who knows? Maybe they took it out and then they were just like, we can't be bothered to carry it the rest of the way and we'll just live here. Maybe they live in California. For some reason, I always thought that she was pregnant in that last scene. Oh. But no. I I don't know why, but like, I always thought like she was like a little bit pregnant in the last scene and they were like expecting a baby and they moved into their dream house. No, but I'm charmed that you had this (laughs) headcanon. I wonder in this version of the world what Jennifer Garner does for work. Yes, I also wonder that. Also, Alex was like, do you think that she just steers him away from anyone named Wendy, who was the name of his fiance? I don't think she would need to because he seems very lukewarm on Wendy. That's For someone true. who's marrying her. Yes, he does seem like he's not into that at all. And Wendy is like, it's time for you to move to Chicago with me at one point. And Mark Ruffalo is like... Is it? <laughs> Truly, I was like, why are you guys discussing like four days before the wedding? Discuss it long before or a little after. Like, what are you doing? I also wondered how Wendy felt about like getting married at his parents' backyard in like Jersey. I don't know, whatever. But I never clocked this when I was younger. Like he says like, oh, I haven't felt like crazy about a girl since high school. And it doesn't matter whether or not that was Jennifer Garner. But it's just like, if your feelings for this current person have not surpassed your teen emotions, like it's not a good sign. Poor Wendy, she didn't deserve this. (laughs) Like literally on his wedding day, as Matt pointed out, he's there being like, you don't get the dream, but you get awfully close. And you're like, Um, this is like half an hour before you say your vows. I think for Wendy, it is her dream. Like, poor Wendy. It's a real bummer. You know, luckily for Wendy, this is just like one universe, you know? I hope in this parallel universe, she's found like the super hot love of her life. They're on a yacht in Greece. Like, I don't know. I'm sure it's fine. Maybe she found someone who actually lives in Chicago. That would be good. You see, Wendy? There you go. Maybe she used to live in New York. She probably used to live in New York. And that's how they met and like, blah, blah. I mean, I can't imagine that he felt strongly about her at any point, even before Jennifer Garner came into the picture. Well, I maybe that's not fair. Like, I suppose we're supposed to believe that, like, she awakened a type of feeling that, like, he didn't think he had. Like, certainly it's true that when you're a teenager, there's, like, a certain intensity of emotion, I guess, for most people. I guess. I will say, both Jennifer Garner and Mark Ruffalo give lovely performances. 
I think so too. I was thinking that as we like first see Jennifer Garner when she first wakes up, I was like, I think she really does a good job of like physically embodying that like 13 year old sort of like awkwardness. Like she kind of loses that as we go through the film. And she like adjusts to her new body in life. Exactly. But that first scene where she's kind of like, what the fuck is happening? It's, I I enjoy it. I think her awkwardness is realistic. I mean, as realistic as the situation could be. Yeah, she does like a good kind of like doe-eyed confusion for honestly most of the movie, which does raise the question of whether she should be hooking up with Mark Ruffalo, but that's a different issue. Yeah, I mean, luckily the movie kind of skirts most of the concerns really like like thorny stuff around it stays very chaste yes although she does kiss a grown man also you know how she's having that affair with her co-worker i never previously questioned this but like how did that affair even start did she meet him at a company event and screw him in the bathroom like did they meet outside does he have a job related to the magazine he seems to be just a random husband I don't know. How was there even opportunity to begin this affair? I don't know. Anyway, but in terms of Jennifer Garner as the 13-year-old, I was like, it's very lucky that she already knew how to do makeup. Yeah. I At mean, that age, like, I would have struggled. It's a little bit lurid, but... <laughs> yes, I enjoy, like, props to the props and costumes and everything department because she... The clothes she chooses are so, like... They're not bad, but you can like see the 13 year old in her selections. At one point she was getting in the car though with like a bajillion chopsticks in her hair. And I was like, oh man, remember this time? White people just taking chopsticks, putting them in their hair. I was like, God, she, she might take someone's eye out. This seems dangerous. It did seem dangerous. Speaking of dangerous, I never noticed before this viewing, Jennifer Garner is a horrific party attendee. Like, her time travel situation does not explain why she's at this party. She, like, eats a cocktail shrimp and, like, throws it on the floor. <laughs> she tosses a kebab stick, like, over a balcony. They didn't do that in the 80s either. Like, as a child, I'm sure she was familiar with trash cans. <laughs> you're right. You're right. I think, like, every time we I watch this, you just kind of clock that up to, like, oh, she's 13. But you're right. Like, what 13-year-old is doing this either? Well, you think it's like a, a whimsical rom-com montage thing where they're just like tossing things aside, but it doesn't make any sense. Like, why wouldn't she? Like, even a 13-year-old would be like, ah, yes, I will leave this and put this in an appropriate place for trash. Yes, or to be bust, you know? Yeah. Um, speaking of weird things, do you notice that Judy Greer just like throws a loose cigarette back in her purse? No. Like, she's holding a cigarette as if she's smoked it, but it looks like she hasn't smoked it, and then she just puts it straight into her clutch. Doesn't it get crushed then? Like, wouldn't it, wouldn't you just end up with, like, stray bits of tobacco around, like, the bottom of your purse? I have no idea. It just doesn't seem sanitary, though. I mean, you're already smoking. How sanitary do you need things to be? I suppose. Um, anyway, these are just odd behavioral things I never clocked before. Oh, you know what I've always found weird? That Jennifer Garner has not found these sparkle letters in her own desk. Yes, it shows a remarkable lack of curiosity. I was also mulling on this when, like, you're watching that scene where Judy Greer is going through Jennifer Garner's desk and, like, finds all this stuff. It's not like it's well hidden. 
Yeah, like, it's been a couple of weeks. Like, has she not gone looking for a pen or something? It, it does seem weird. I feel like what I would do is want to know as much about my, like, current life as possible. Like, I would go through all my shit, right? Exactly. Although I wonder, I mean, I guess it's just, like, convenient because then it causes all this, like, crisis, but... I know. It's also weird, like... I feel like she doesn't get harassed enough because she's a spy for Sparkle, but then she suddenly stops being a spy for Sparkle. Don't you think Sparkle would harass her more? Oh my god, that never even occurred to me. Like, wouldn't they suddenly be like, it's weird that our mole has suddenly stopped snitching? Well, maybe, I think it takes place in a matter of, like, weeks, though, so maybe it's just, like, for every subsequent issue. Maybe. Be. I don't know. That's a very thin explanation. Very thin. Like, you think, like, someone from Sparkle would be, like, calling her up and being like, what's going on? Why aren't you telling us what's going on with this month's issue? And then there's Mark Ruffalo, who signs this release that this girl he's never once trusted puts in front what of him. What an idiot. Mark Ruffalo. Without reading it. He is stupid. <laughs> no wonder his career is not going, like, that well, and yet his apartment is beautiful, by the way. Is Wendy paying for that apartment? What's the deal? Maybe she is. Oh, you know what made me laugh? Matt definitely found baby Mark Ruffalo creepy. Oh, did he? He was like, okay, because I think at one point he takes a picture of her or whatever. He was just very suspicious of him. And I was like, he's fine. He grows up to be Mark Ruffalo. I mean, it's just his personality. Like, he's not being, I don't know, like, he takes pictures of her, but I feel like they're consent. I don't find it predatory. Yeah, like, I, I think they're basically, like, she would consent. Well, it's not, I don't know that that's okay as an argument, but I just, like, you know, he's not trying to get her to do anything until uh, he thinks that she's waiting for him in the closet. <laughs> Oh, yeah, no, that's that's true. Although, why would you trust anything out of baby Judy Greer's mouth? Truly. Speaking of baby Judy Greer, it's so weird to me that they talk, they joke about Judy Greer having had plastic surgery, but in fact, she is the one who looks most similar to her young self. What a casting job. Like, was it when she walked in, they were like, done? I am charmed, though, that baby Jennifer Garner later plays a young version of her in a different movie, too. I actually think like that was also very good casting although Alex was like they look nothing alike and I was like I don't know I think that one's fine yeah it's the Mark Ruffalo one that's really like okay I didn't realize this but this was also baby Brie Larson's first role wait what she plays one of the six chicks oh like real Brie Larson yeah yeah yeah. like so we went back at the one of the early scenes you can see when baby Judy Greer comes up to baby Jennifer Garner in the hallway like you can see like Brie Larson is like standing there she looks exactly like adult Brie Larson. Is Brie Larson that much younger than these people? I guess she must be. Yeah, she looked, I think she was like around 15 or 16 at that point. Wow. She's like our age, so that makes sense. Oh, okay, sure, 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 sure. Yeah, this was 2004. Yeah. Um, I have to say, Mark Ruffalo gives such a like charming, wistful, confused performance, but wouldn't you be even more weirded out than he is when Jennifer Garner yes. shows up at your door? <laughs> I would truly think that she had had a mental break. And the fact that he's just kind of like, he does. I mean, like, but then he kind of just like, I'm going to go along with it. Okay. Like, I just, uh, uh, like, and later she never tries to like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't know what I would think. I truly don't know. I think it's very weird. Yes, 
she and Mark Ruffalo and Judy Greer all seem to like really get on board with this bizarre situation in different ways. Like Judy Greer doesn't know what's happened, but like particularly for the people who didn't travel through time, wouldn't you seriously be like, something's wrong with my friend slash former acquaintance? Yes. Like Judy Greer should take her to a hospital. Well, Judy Greer is not that type of friend. Fair enough. Yeah, there was one part where they were like competing about something and this, and I was like, this seems like a deeply stressful friendship. Yes. Although it seems like, you know, Jennifer Gardner in that alternate reality was a deeply terrible person. So yes, I mean, a match made in heaven, but still. Yeah, if I was Mark Ruffalo, I would have like a lot more questions. Like, and then things would just start adding up, right? Like you could chalk that first thing up to like, wow, she had had like, you know, she was on some wild drugs. But then like the next few times you see her and she's like, let's get some razzles. Let's do this. Would you not be like, Seems weird, huh? If I recall, razzles are only okay. Yeah, they are very mediocre. Um, But that scene where they're like eating razzles and swinging in the park in the dark, don't you think falling off a swing as an adult seems like it'd be very painful? Um, Yes, I do think so. About the magazine or the magazine covers that we see throughout this movie, Matt pointed this out, which I had never thought about. Jennifer Lopez is a very odd choice to use. Is she? Because this is right when Ben Affleck broke up with her and got together with Jennifer Garner. Oh. But I like maybe when they filmed the movie, they weren't yet publicly together or like weren't yet together. But like how awkward. That is awkward. So awkward. I had kind of forgotten about Same. That Same. situation. We like looked up the timeline and we were like, oh, oh. Awkward. Also awkward because there's so much thriller in this movie, but that's always awkward, so. Yes, yes. Um, Alex was kind of watching this and being like, well, you know, it must have been, a, must have been kind of weird to like see Jennifer Garner in this role because like the, like the other thing she was in at the time was Alias. Oh. And I was like, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I never watched Alias, but. Yeah, I guess. I think that was like 2001 to 2006 or 2000 to 2005. Yeah, and she filmed 13 Gone 30 while she was like on a break from Alias or something. That makes sense because it was right after she did like either Daredevil or Electric, like whatever it is that she met. Ben Affleck on? No, 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 no. She met Ben Affleck on Pearl Harbor, but I think they got together around. All this stuff I didn't know. You sound so remarkably informed now on Jennifer Garner and Ben Affleck's timeline though, but you do love Pearl Harbor. I knew the Pearl Harbor thing already, but I don't remember when that movie was, like 2001-ish. Based on your love of Pearl Harbor. Let me live. <laughs> They're friends, and then one of them dies. It's very moving. Isn't he not really dead? Yes. Ben Affleck's not really dead, and he comes back, and then okay. it's very emotional. Okay. Soon I will begin a Pearl Harbor podcast, but I will get Alex to do it with me, not you. Yeah, no, she also loves Pearl Harbor, so there you go. That's perfect for you guys. <laughs> um... Okay, we've talked about this before, but how are these 13-year-old neighbor children's parents not deeply concerned about this lady? I know! I would not let my 13-year-old go to just a random stranger's apartment For like a slumber party? and spend the night. Yes, it's weird. I can't tell if they're actually sleeping there or like... The best thing I can come up with is maybe they're having a slumber party at that child's house and they visit and then they go back there. I mean, uh, probably. But it's super weird. 
It's really, really weird. It's it's so many levels of inappropriate. Like, if you heard about that, would you not be like, I need to call the cops? Yes. Like, women are less frequently pedophiles, I guess, but still. It's weird. It's super weird. I in no way want to hang out with 13-year-olds. Yeah, it's not like a fun aunt. It's not like, you know, like something like a family member, a family friend. It's a random Lady she met in the elevator. Yep, yep. It's very troubling. So what is your favorite scene then? This has been like, I feel like it's interesting because like so many, we both of us have watched 13 Gone and 30 like a number of times. And I just wonder if like favorite scenes sort of move and switch. Although I don't, I don't feel like I know this movie as well as maybe you do. I was actually thinking, I haven't seen it in a while. I definitely know it pretty well for, I don't remember ever having a phase of watching it over and over, but I definitely have seen it a lot. But I actually had the thought that it's maybe been a few years, so I haven't watched it since turning 30. Oh, okay, yeah. So that was kind of funny. I was like, are you 30 flirty and thriving? Thankfully, no. (laughs) I don't know that I've changed that much in the last few years, but I did feel more emotional than I remember feeling like as a teenager or very young adult I think about like her and her parents yes I did feel quite sad about that like just like we're not like sad but like like when she goes home and she apologizes for missing Christmas and that dynamic that you when she crawls into bed with her parents I was like oh because like you feel so much for her because you're like oh but you're 13 like she wants the comfort of being around her parents like she doesn't understand like why she would have missed christmas like when she when she finds out they went on a cruise without her she's like what (laughs) i love some of the things that she says when she's adjusting to her new world like i enjoyed a lot of jokes like she didn't know what a cell phone was um what you said when she calls the answering machine that's maybe one of my favorite lines she's like you went on a cruise without me Um, I like when someone mentions M&M and she has no idea who that is. And so she's going like, plain, peanut, plain. Oh, you know what's funny though? This movie was obviously contemporary at the time, but now it's been over 15 years. So like her parents' house with a bulky Mac, which at the time was like a sign of how much time has passed, is now like so dated looking. I know. This is basically, I'm like, oh, it's a period piece. Yes, both in the past and in the, like, present. Yeah. Um, oh, right. You were asked about a best scene. Um, I think that although Mark Ruffalo shouldn't even be there, the Why Can't I montage is a classic. Oh, yes. I do really like that montage. It's so, it's so nice. It's, 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 it's... Exactly as glossy as you want, like, a rom-com montage to be. Yeah. Yeah, like, well, I was saying to Alex, like, oh, here comes the montage, here comes the song that they use in, like, every single rom-com around this time. As they should, because it's a wonderful song. Yes, but yeah, when they're shooting that, uh, that, like, redesigned photo shoot for, for Poise, it's, it's really fun. Something else that got me this time is I was honestly moved by how happy 13-year-old Jennifer Garner was to be back in her real life. It's a very sweet little moment, and well acted by that little girl. Oh, Yeah. I always like the thriller dance at the party, even though it's thriller, but it's fun. It's fun. It's charming. It's just big enough. It always reminds me at my dance studio growing up, we used to do it every Halloween. And I was like, oh, totally makes sense because my dance teacher would have been around this age. 
Like, I, I bet if you're a teen from the 80s. I don't know if I have other bests, do you? Not really. Like, I don't really have a lot of, like, best lines either. Oh, well, I quite like when she, at like, towards the end of the film, realizes that her very gay boss, Andy Serkis, is gay. <laughs> and is, like, and is basically like, you're gay? And he fully thinks she's joking, because obviously... <laughs> Yes, so I I enjoyed that. I think... Um, oh, no, sorry, keep going. No, 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 no. I'm kind of, like, trying to think of other lines. I like, you know, it's not really, like, one with a ton of zingers. No, I honestly think some of my favorite things are the little details. Like, at one point, she has a fruit roll-up around her finger. Or, like, you see she has, like, Lisa Frank folders. Yes. You just think about, like, a 13-year-old with basically unlimited funds, like, who has, like, agency and, like, autonomy in their world. Like, what would they do? Yes, if this was a different movie, like, real Jennifer Garner would wake up and be like, I spent what? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know who I never realized is in this movie? Jim Gaffigan. When she goes back to New Jersey to stop Mark Ruffalo's wedding, the cab driver turns out to be, like, the cool boy that she was into at 13. Oh, It's yes. Jim Gaffigan. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's totally one of those things where, like, I saw it before I knew who he was and then just never placed him upon rewatches in later life. Yeah. I also like this kind of thing because I've always liked like a good like de-aging or like a body swap like I like it whenever an actor has to play a character playing a character oh like what else well I was specifically thinking of 17 again which we never watched for the blog because it's not really a rom-com but it's so good we should do it for the podcast oh let's um love watching Zac Efron be Matthew Perry be Zac Efron (laughs) Yes, that's fun sometimes in TV, too. Like, The X-Files has an episode that's like that. Yeah, I mean, like, Orphan, like, the entirety of Orphan Black was, like, uh, Tatiana Maslany is a genius. Yes, like, frequently I would be like, but I haven't seen Tatiana Maslany, and then I would be like, wait, no, I've seen, like, no, she's been on screen this whole time. Yes, like, the way she embodies all, I mean, this is not our Orphan Black podcast, but it's good. Yeah. Yeah, pretty impressive. but like, you know, it's just, I, I always like watching actors do that kind of like acting Layered. on two levels. Yeah, exactly. Like her having to think like, okay, what would a 13 year old do? Okay, what would a 13 year old do embodying the, an adult? Um, Worsts? I, anything involving that idiotic New York Ranger that she's dating. He's so <laughs> stupid, but also there's so much stuff because you know she's 13. And like, just like as I get older, the more uncomfortable it gets. I think it's probably hit like peak uncomfortableness. I don't think I'm going to get more uncomfortable from here on out. But like, I just am like, oh God, she's 13. Put it away. How repulsed she is by like the existence of his penis and his Yes, little as she should be. Striptease. I know that that's like a potential worst scene, but I have to say I do get a little bit of a kick out of the Ice Ice Baby choice. Like, it's so bad, it's good. He's so dumb. (laughs) Like, I just think, like, kudos to whoever was like, yes, he should do a striptease and it should be to Ice Ice Baby because he is a hockey player and that is his only level. I do feel like the overall the film walks that line pretty well in terms of, you know, there are some areas which I feel like are 
weird and and kind of gross but like overall i think it goes pretty well with sort of her being 13 and not put into any situation in this movie that's too uncomfortable yeah i think i always thought her affair was the worst scene oh yeah no that's i mean i guess she then like kicks him in the yeah yeah whatever but but like when he comes in you're like oh no this guy like the ranger at least makes sense for adult jennifer garter but like why this guy? He's not even attractive. Anyway, there were almost no people of color in this movie. I mean, there were, but they said nothing. Yeah, they were basically... Was her secretary a woman of color? I don't think so. Was she? No, probably not. Probably like Italian or something. Yeah, I think she... I guess she could have been like white passing yeah. Latina or anyway, something. Anyway, but, but basically none. As far as I could tell, no one was a person of color. It was 2004. What are you talking about? Um, What would you score this movie? I still quite like it. So probably like a seven, maybe seven out of 10. Yeah, I think I looked at the blog and we had given it like an 8.5. And I was like, I don't know that I still feel that way. It's very solid rom-com, but it is, it does feel very dated at this point. Yeah, like I guess it would be like a seven or eight. I always think of the holiday as being like our classic seven, maybe seven and a half. Yeah, I could go with seven and a half. Seven and a half razzles. Seven and a half inappropriate slumber parties. Seven and a half out of ten sparkles. Seven and a half improbably wholesome photo shoots. Seven and a half out of ten Barbie dream houses. I was very impressed with, by the way, with that like house that baby Mark Ruffalo built for her. It looks fantastic. I am truly bummed. Like, when he tells her, like, and then you threw it back in my face, which I spent, like, three weeks making for you, by the way. Like, that's honestly sad. Kids are mean. I know. Kids suck. Um, seven and a half out of ten Lisa Frank folders. All right. Well, I mean, like, overall, I think, you know, it's still a pretty solid rom-com. It's a cute little movie. Yeah. I think it might be her best rom-com. I don't know if she ever did another, like, legitimately good one. I mean, what's her other one? Ghosts of Girlfriends Pass? Blech. Uh, She was in that... I guess we watched Captain Release, but that's not really a rom-com. No, it is definitely not a rom-com. I could swear she's done more, but who knows. Well, thank you all for listening this month. We'll be back next month with a new episode. I don't remember what's on the docket, but we've got a couple of things that we are looking at. Follow us on our social media, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye! Thank you to Hannah Oatman, who composed our theme music, and Alexandra Oatman, who painted our logo art. You can follow Alexandra on Twitter at at Alexandra. Special thanks to Quincy Surasmith for advising us on the art of the podcast. Subscribe to his wonderful podcast, Asian Americana, at wherever you get your podcasts. Want more Romcomathon? You can read past reviews at romcomathon2016.tumblr.com and follow us at romcomathon2016 on Facebook and Twitter and romcomathon on Instagram. We look forward to hearing from you. Please subscribe and rate Romcomathon on iTunes. Thank you.